Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Wow, what a thought. What a thought as we launch into our series this, this month as we're starting, and it's going to go all the way to end of December. It's called The Blessed Life, and we're really excited to, to begin to journey together as a church. I get to start off our series today, but as a series as a whole, we get to look at what is a blessed life. There are so many different interpretations of what that means to have a blessed life or to be hashtag blessed, right? We all desire prosperity in our life, and yet what does that look like as a follower of Jesus Christ? Even during this holiday season, it's really easy to lose focus of what does it mean to be blessed. I mean, we're, there's so many initiatives to give, and we're buying gifts, and we're doing the holiday hub, and so what does that mean? So throughout this series for the next few weeks, I encourage you to invite a friend back with you. We're going to look at and talk about what the Bible teaches us about money and generosity and how we can truly live the blessed life that God has truly intended for us. And so I'm excited for that. Ryan sends his greetings this morning. He's at Cochrane Alliance this morning speaking there, and so he would love to be here with you, so he sends all his love. And so I get the opportunity of launching us into that this morning, and um, I'm so excited to do that. Before I do that, though, I want to just encourage you. There's some amazing things coming up in December and the end of this month. Be sure, if you haven't looked at your church email, if you haven't signed up for that, subscribe to that, do so. There's some really great things coming up. We don't want you to miss out on that, those things. And so be sure to check out what those are and how you can get involved. Um, and there's so many fun things that are coming up ahead. So I wanted to make sure, because I know you all love to just say hello and chat during that important time on the screen. So I just thought I'd give a little plug for all the good things coming up. Um, so this morning, we are looking at the blessed life, but specifically this morning, I want to take a minute and focus in a little bit, and we're going to look at the attitude of our hearts in terms of what does it mean to have a blessed life, because the Lord cares really truly more about our hearts. Yes, he wants to bless our giving, but really truly he wants to bless the attitude of our hearts from which we're giving from. As we develop grateful hearts and understand truly the, the basis for what we're understanding and understanding what it means to have a blessed life, that's when that selfishness and that jealousy and all the different feelings as we as humans experience when it comes to our money begin to dissipate and we begin to be able to actually truly give from a joyful heart. And so through today, we're going to um, begin to understand that a truly a blessed life develops not from getting, but from giving. How many of you in this room today have heard of the phrase, it's more blessed to give than to receive? Right, we've all heard it and you're like, yes, Stephanie, totally on the same page, more blessed to give than to receive, except for if you just stop for a minute, do you, do you actually feel that way like every time? Like when you see somebody else getting the house that you've always dreamed of or that girlfriend that you were like kind of hoping that would have been yours and somebody else, some other dude snags her or maybe, you know, or maybe it's that car, the, all the things and you're seeing other people get and yet, we are taught that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so sometimes it's hard to kind of sift through what that means and what that looks like. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. But before that, I don't know about you. How many in the room like to watch the show Fixer Up or HGTV? Come on now. Chip and Joanna Gaines. Love them. They're our, um, that's our favorite show. It's our family show. There's very few shows you can watch as a family um, that you all like. And that's one of them in our house. And so um, we were watching it actually just this weekend. And this, if you don't know how the show works, Chip and Joanna, they're a lovely couple. Um, and they, they work with these other families who are looking for their perfect home, their dream home, the thing that they've always hoped for. And so they go on this journey and they find a house that's like really run down and then they fix it up. 
and they renovate and they're hilarious together. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. But they go and they fix it up. And then at the very end of the show, the family's waiting there. They haven't seen all the progress of the show and they have these two big partitions in front of the house that show the original picture of what the house looked like. And then they stand on either side of these big partitions and they say, are you ready to see your fixer upper? And they're like, yeah. And then they pull back these two big partitions and reveal this beautiful home that they have been working on. And honestly, they're gorgeous homes. And, and every time, I I'm a bit of a sucker, Ryan, I'll be honest with you, he's a bit of a sucker too. We cry a lot during shows together. <laughs> Um, and so I, the lady, they pull back the partition, the lady starts bawling, because this is her dream home, and she's bawling, so I start to cry, Ryan starts crying, and then we look at each other loud, because we're like, oh, we're such nerds, here we are crying about this show. And in that moment, the lady said, wow, we're so blessed. That's the words that came out of her mouth when she saw this home, and I thought, yeah, like, that, what a beautiful home, they are really blessed, like, what a, I would like to have that house too. And I said to Ryan, like, you know, it's kind of hard to sift through what does it mean to have a blessed life in terms of what the Bible says? And what does it mean when you pull back those partitions of life and on the other end isn't that beautiful home? On the other end isn't that perfect job? And the other end isn't the health that you had hoped for the rest of your life? All these things, when we pull back the partition of life, how do we still have the perspective that we are truly blessed? How does that look like? How does that work? And so we're going to begin to go on a journey that no matter what the circumstances look like, whether that beautiful house is on the other side of when they pull that apart, or maybe it's not so much what you were hoping for, that we still can say we have a blessed life. What a crazy thought. And so we're going to look at that this morning. But before we do that, look a little bit about kind of what does our world kind of consider what is blessed. And oftentimes we think of the word happy. And the English word happy is from the root word hap, which means luck as a favorable circumstance. So oftentimes if you say you're blessed, you say you feel lucky to have something, I feel lucky to have this house, and I feel lucky to have this relationship, and I feel lucky to have this job, and man, I just feel so lucky. But the problem is, is that modern happiness points us to things that truly can't sustain that satisfied feeling within us. They bring a momentary pleasure, but then that comes and goes, and then we're still left kind of feeling empty and lost. Oftentimes when we hear the word blessed, we think of a lot of things I've talked about already, a huge house, lots of money, the perfect body, the perfect house, the perfect relationship, the health, all the things that we're hoping for in life. I actually saw a post on Instagram the other day that I thought was really interesting. And it's, it was talking kind of in relation to at the end of your life when you have that tombstone, what is it going to say? And it said, is yours going to say six pack abs, perfect house, 100,000 followers on Instagram? <laughs> or is it going to say kind, generous, joyful, giving? Yeah. And it made me think, I thought, yeah, what are we focusing our time on? What are we investing into to fill that void of what we're all searching for is to feel blessed, to have that blessed life. Are we investing it into things that our world tells us to invest to? Like, you gotta do all these things, then you're blessed. Or are we switching our focus and adjusting our mindset to begin to see things from a different perspective? The myth of our day is that happiness is found in satisfying our physical desires, comforts, and pleasures. And those things are fine. I mean, we all want a house, a nice house to live in, and we all want to eat good food. I love a good plate of pasta. Amen to that. So, I mean, those things are all good, but at the end of the day, as all of us as human beings, there's a part within each of us that can honestly only truly be fulfilled by relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we try to feed that 
in our own understanding with these natural things, these things that we are told will bring us happiness. And yet at the end of the day, satisfying the body is never the source of true happiness for it is not the seat of our true happiness. So we're going to look at what it means to have a blessed life through the lens this morning of what scripture says. The true way to live a blessed life. Through the world's eyes, being blessed is having all these material things, all the things that we can visibly see with our eyes. But through our study today, we're going to begin to see that a truly blessed life doesn't come through getting things, but rather through a giving heart. Maybe you're in this room today and you're struggling to understand what this all means, how the Bible talks about it. You're like, sounds kind of good, but I'm still a little bit confused. Maybe there's some of us in the room where we're kind of falling into that category. Or maybe you're in the room today and you're like, gosh, I'm kind of tempted to follow after the things of the world that tell me to bring, that bring me happiness, because they do for just a moment. They bring me happiness. And I like the house and I like the car and I like all these things. And maybe you're tempted to really give in to those desires. But this morning, I don't know a better place to go when I'm not sure what to do than the word of God. That's where our truth comes from. That's where we believe the word of God is alive and active and it brings truth to our life. And so we're gonna look this morning at what does Jesus teach us about being blessed. So if you're taking notes this morning, no worries if you're not, I never do either. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you are, our first point this morning is a blessed life is an eternal perspective. So if you look at Matthew 6, there's something called the Beatitudes. If you're new to your Bible reading and you haven't heard this before, no worries. All that it really is is one of Jesus' most famous sermons that he preached. And so we're going to look at the Beatitudes. We're not going to read the full thing this morning today, but I encourage you to go home and read it. But what the Beatitudes is, is that Jesus begins to teach. So here he is, this guy, that he's starting to do some pretty cool things in his ministry. And the people around are like, hey, maybe we should listen to what this guy has to say. He's done some pretty cool things. And so this crowd begins to gather around him. And here he begins to talk about what it means to be blessed. He actually starts his, worming, his sermon worming. I'm not sure what that word meant, but <laughs> it's Andrew's fault. <laughs> he started us on the weird word journey this morning. But, um, but what does it, he uses the word blessed at the very beginning. Blessed are those this and that. And he begins to go on this long kind of journey of what it means to be blessed. He actually uses the word blessed nine times throughout this passage of scripture. So perhaps we should listen, right? Now, this, this, throughout this year's, we are going to be specifically talking about money. But today, I want to actually just lay a foundation for what it, the word blessed truly means. The Beatitudes represents the character, attitude, and behavior of a kingdom beyond this kingdom, a value system beyond this value system. So oftentimes, we get stuck... Um, in our own little world, in our own bubble, and we, all we see is this. Sometimes we even forget to look at the world around us. Beyond that, though, there's actually another kingdom, another value system that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you, as you give your life to him, you begin to understand that there's a life beyond this life that we get to spend eternity with him. And there's a value system that comes with that and a kingdom mindset that comes with that. And so Jesus was talking about his kingdom reality about what it means to be in his kingdom. He was talking about a way of thinking that honestly truly does not make sense with the way that our world thinks and the way that our world operates. The way he talks about being blessed is a mindset shift according to his kingdom. When Jesus started his sermon with the word blessed, I wonder if the ears of everyone kind of there perked. I didn't really know much about this Jesus guy at this point in the story, but they're like blessed. Oh, yes. They probably thought like, Yes, I knew it. I knew by following this Jesus guy that I was going to be famous, prosperous. I'm going to get all the money, all the chicks, like all the things is coming my way. Blessed. Yes, totally. I'm so glad I'm sitting here listening to this Jesus guy talk about what it means to be blessed. I wonder if he almost just paused, blessed, and just kind of let 
the, the thoughts settle in everyone's mind as to like, hmm, this is what I think blessed really looks like. And the humanistic perspective of what blessed truly looks like, I wonder if he just allowed it to simmer and set in. Because let's be honest in the room today, most of us desire to be happy. I think that's probably, we can all just say, that, yeah, I'd like to be happy in my life. That's an honest pursuit of what we desire in our life. Actually, the pursuit of happiness is the driving force of our affluent Western culture. Happiness. And yet the word Jesus uses here is not happiness, it's blessed. One way of looking at the word blessed means to have inner happiness and satisfaction with life. Some theological dictionaries define blessed as a state of happiness, but this is not completely accurate because blessed differ, differs from happy, which describes a person with good luck. Being blessed is not defined by luck, but instead as a state of being defined by an intentional relationship with Jesus Christ that brings true identity. The word blessed can also be defined as an inner satisfaction, contentedness and sufficiency that does not depend on our outward circumstances or feelings for happiness. This is a really important part that I want us to all catch today. This is not a feeling, but it's actually a truth. I'm going to say it one more time because it's so important, you guys, that we all catch it this morning, that being blessed is not a feeling. It's simply a truth. My blessedness isn't based on how I feel, but the truth of who I am. There are many times I'm sure where most of us in the room have felt moments in our life where things aren't going so hot, where we haven't felt truly blessed. It doesn't feel like, oh man, I feel so blessed, like I just had this terrible thing happen. Woo, feeling blessed today. Probably not your first thought that pops into your mind when the hard news comes and the challenging moments come that, that you face in your life. And yet, regardless of our circumstance, the Bible teaches us that no matter what happened, no matter the afflictions and the trials that come, that you are still blessed by God. I'll tell you a story about when we were first living in Portland. Um, for many of you that don't know, my husband is American, and so we did live um, for the first chunk of our marriage in the States, had our babies there, and we were living, we had just finished a time at a church in, in Washington, and we moved to Portland. Um, this was about eight years ago now, and we moved there, and just like every awesome young couple with two small children does, we moved in with my in-laws into their basement suite. So. Um, thank you. I'm sure they're watching today. Love you, Terry and Sherry. So thankful for your generosity. But I don't know about you, but I don't look at people who live in their parents' basements and think like, dang, they're blessed. Wow. Look at them go. They are blessed to be living in that. No job suite. Woo. That's awesome. But no, so not only were we living in their basement suite, we had no jobs. Either of us had no jobs. We didn't have any money coming in. Um, all we knew is that we wanted to get to Canada, to be honest with you. We wanted to be here. Um, and so we were, <laughs> amen, but we were a little stuck. And by all definition of what the world says is blessed, we were not fitting that mold in that moment. Um, but yet, we began to go on a journey in that season. Also, we were on government food stamps at that time, too, because we honestly just needed a way to provide food for our family. Can't look at her when I say that, though. Um, it was hard, you guys. It wasn't like... Woohoo, this is so fun. It was like pretty a challenging season. And yet in that season, we began to press in and begin to truly discover. I'm sorry. Why is she here? <laughs> Who invited you? Just kidding. That's my daughter. I love her. Um, 
Um, but in that season, we began to press in and discover who we really were in Christ and who we were not based on our outward circumstance because everything around us told us that we were not blessed, you guys. It was telling us, the world was saying, like, pretty much you guys suck. Like, what on earth are you doing with your life? This isn't how it's supposed to look. And yet, I'm going to stand here and tell you with all honesty, we, were, we felt so blessed in that season, not because of the things, but because of what God was doing in our hearts. And that feeling of tr truly being blessed began to come and develop as we pressed into our identity in Christ, not based on the things around us. That true feeling of being blessed comes when you know your entire life and every circumstance is in the hands of God. True happiness comes through our genuine need for God in that we experience happiness. Our focus needs to shift from eternal things, not just on natural things. There comes an understanding in those difficult moments that happen in our lives here on earth, that they're all part of God's plan for us. Just like Jesse and Ryan ended our Made for This series last week, and they began to talk about how we can actually lift our hands and surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I give this to you, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what I'm going through, we can actually lift our hands and surrender with full understanding and full confidence and full knowledge that we know that God is in control and that he will in fact provide for all of our needs and that he is so faithful and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so that's the place that we begin to go on, that journey of understanding how truly blessed we were. And so our second point today as we continue forward is that a blessed life starts with the heart. A biblically blessed person is someone who is satisfied in their hearts and has all of their needs provided for. We're going to look at just a portion of that part where it says a biblically blessed person is satisfied in their hearts. It's so important to understand this truth that the Lord cares truly more about our hearts than the things that we're actually being generous with. In Deuteronomy 15, 7 to 15, it, oh, the next one will come up there, but it, it directly addresses these matters of the heart in terms of generosity and giving. In this passage of scripture, Moses exhorts God's people to give generously and willingly to those who need help. So Deuteronomy 15.10 on the screen says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works, and in, and, and all, and in all to which you put your hand. So sorry, maybe I should have worn my glasses. Um, <laughs> So ultimately, God does not want us to have selfish, begrudging hearts when we give. And you just, you, like, honestly, it's hard to admit that in the room. You're like, I'm not, I'm not like that. I just love to give. And yet, if we evaluate truly where we're at, sometimes those feelings and emotions do creep into our heart. God wants us to be generous ultimately because he is generous. He did not create generosity and giving because he needed our money. Absolutely not. He, he owns everything. He can create more if he needed more. He doesn't need our generosity. He really Created, benefit, or created giving for our benefit. Giving more than any other activity as, we, as believers do actually roots out that, the selfishness and greed out of our hearts and lives. God is concerned with our heart. Not only is it concerned with the selfishness that sometimes comes in our heart, but he also wants to care, take care of our grieving hearts. So if you look back in the scripture, God specifically said, you shall not be grieved when you give to him. So oftentimes, selfishness attacks us before we give because you're like, it's my money. I worked hard for this. This is mine. I don't want to give it away. I have things I want to do with it. So sometimes that emotion comes in. And then sometimes when we, we've chosen to give, not just money, you guys. Think of all the things that we choose to give. Sometimes we give and you're like, oh, man, that was a lot of money. Like, gosh, maybe I could have gotten this with that or maybe I could have bought that or done this or done that. And that grief kind of begins to settle in our heart. But 
truly that grief comes because we have a lack of understanding of where that money even came from in the first place. We have to understand that all that we have is ultimately his, and we are simply just stewards here on earth. We're just set here for a short period of time here on earth to steward a little bit of what already belongs to the Lord. It's all his, it all belongs to him. It's like if you were to go to the bank and you go up to the teller and you're like, hi, can I please withdraw $100 from my checking account? And she, she starts just giving you 20, 40, 60, 81. She gives you that money and she's not grieved to give you that $100 because she knows it's not hers. That came from your checking account. That's your money, she gives it to you. She's not like crying in the corner when you leave because she just gave you $100 because it's not hers and she understands that. And that's the same way that we have to begin to look through the lens of the money that we've been given, not to grieve when we give $100, but to just generously give it because we know it's ultimately not ours anyways. It all belongs to him. Amen. The fact is, God doesn't bless giving. He blesses giving from the right attitude of our hearts. God said he wants us to not only give, but to give generously. God does not bless our giving. He blesses giving from the right attitude of our hearts. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. This, was, this one was a hard one for me. Before I met Ryan, I thought I was like a pretty generous person. I did my giving and checked my lists and did my boxes off. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally generous. And then I met Ryan. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm very generous. Like, here's a guy who just would give all he had out of his bank account without even thinking twice because he just loves to be generous and give and he understands the principles of generosity. And that was hard for me because I'm like, I like to have my savings account tallied this much and the, this is going here and I'm planning for that trip and I'm doing this and I like to have it all organized and understand the purposes of it all and that's all good. But then I began to hold on to my money just a little bit too tight. And I began to see in our marriage, at first I was like, babe, we cannot give all this away because we're not going to have enough left for us. Like, what about us? What about our needs? And he was like, Steph, that's not how this works. Like, you have to begin to understand this isn't how this works. And I began to see over the last 15 years of being married that he was right. We've never gone without. We've never had a need not met. God has always been faithful to provide for us, even out of that outflow where you're like, is there going to be money left over if I give that big chunk of money and that big thing that the Lord is asking? He's prompting my heart to give. And he has, he's been so faithful to provide in every circumstance. When we give, we receive blessings. However, this should not be the main motive for our giving. In order to stay in the blessed state, we must confront any selfishness in our heart. If you look at Luke 6, 37 to 38, it says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Oftentimes, we hear this um, scripture used in terms of money. Um, I don't know how many of you have heard a sermon or a scripture or a tithing moment that has been based off this verse, but actually, it doesn't talk about money specifically in this part. It's actually just talking about the principle of giving, the principle of sowing and reaping. If you plant a seed, you don't just get one seed back out of what you plant. I love gardening, and we haven't done it in our new house yet, but in our Oak Ridge house, we had a beautiful garden, and I love gardening, but the first year we started, honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. There was this neighbor across the way that had this free four by four box on their front lawn, so I made Ryan drag it to our backyard, and we filled it with dirt, and I bought some packs of seeds of things that I thought we'd like to eat and there's a lot of seeds in those little packs and I just was like hey like we must be 
maybe we should just put them all in the ground because that's what they're here for, I guess. And so I had this little four by four box and I was like, I tried to organize it, you know, zucchini, carrots, lettuce, beans, all the things. But I just put a lot of seeds. If you've ever seen a zucchini seed, they're only about this big. So I planted like lots of zucchini seeds. Honestly, I have no idea what I was doing in the spring. But if you've planted a garden before, come summer, um, it was a really, lots of really big zucchini plants. And if you've seen a zucchini plant, they actually have like massive green giant leaves and they produce so many zucchinis. I don't know if you've ever had a zucchini plant growing before, or maybe you've had a neighbor who's tried to pass off some zucchini to you because they've had a zucchini plant growing, but they produce a lot of zucchinis. I mean, by the end of the summer, we're like eating zucchini in our breakfast and our lunch and dinner. We're putting it in loaves, in muffins. We're grating it. We're trying to shove it in the kids' food. Like eating zucchini, there's so much zucchini that comes from one tiny little seed. And so that's kind of like how the kingdom of God works. When you plant one seed, you don't just get one back in return. If you look at a zucchini, you just cut it open, there's like tons of seeds inside that you get back, and that's just one of the zucchinis that come off of that plant. Whatever you give, you're gonna get more back in return. Consequently, we benefit much more by giving good things rather than bad things, because we're going to get much more of whatever we've been given. So I think we often think of this verse and we're like, yeah, I'm giving, pressed down, shaking together, it's coming back to me, whoop, whoop. But you're like, wait a minute, what if I'm giving from the wrong heart? What if I'm giving from that selfish, prideful, grieving heart that we just talked about? Because the scriptures say, you get that, pressed down, shaking together, running over whatever you're giving into. And so I wanna challenge us all, including me, this morning that like, Lord, help me to change my heart and my giving. I wanna give from an attitude that's right, that's good, the way that you intended it for, because that's what I'm gonna get back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. If we look back one more verse and look at what Jesus says in Luke 6, 36 to 37, it says, therefore be merciful. So this is kind of a bigger context of what we're looking at. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Yes, this principle does apply to our money, but it also applies to forgiveness. We can give mercy, we can give understanding, we can give our time, we can give our patience, our, our active service. Jesus simply speaks about the broad principle of giving. So whatever you give will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, challenging part of that script, and running over. And so that's oftentimes just the challenging part of that scripture I think we need to look at and really consider this morning and allow the Lord to begin to change our hearts and change our perspective on what it truly means for him to have our whole hearts when we're giving, for our hearts to be in the right place. Because ultimately God was, doesn't, like the scripture is awesome, and God, but God doesn't really want us to catch a vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving. Yeah. Our third point today is that the blessed life is grateful and generous. Um, when, when we're born as babies into this world, it's hard to imagine, but we're born selfish. It's just the fact. And maybe you're like, no, they're just so sweet and precious, and I just love them. And then they turn too. And you're like, yes, we are born selfish into this world. Oh my gosh, these kids, they're naughty, and they don't want to share. They don't know how to share. And we as maybe as teachers or as family members, aunts, uncles, moms, dads, we have to teach these little nuggets of how to share because it's not genuinely built into who we are when we're first born. But when we're born again, as followers of Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him, we believe that you're born again. And when you're born again, we are born generous. And God desires that we are to be generous just as he is generous. If we look at the scripture passage in Deuteronomy 15, verse 14 to 15, Moses says this, 
From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Why do you think that he would remind them that they don't forget you were a slave? Like, what does that mean? Why is he doing that? I believe it's because when we remember where we came from, it actually fills our hearts with gratitude for what he has done for us, right? When we allow God to remind us of where we came from, what he saved us from, the amazing sacrifice that he paid on the cross for us, and understanding that everything we have is by his gracious hand, this knowledge honestly helps us become to be truly grateful. And when we're grateful, then it's so much easier to be generous. A heart of gratitude is a vital key to cultivating a lifestyle of generosity. So you may be asking, how do I continually cultivate a heart of generosity, which develops a true understanding of what it means to have a blessed life? The first thing is we never lose sight of what Christ did for us on the cross. That's why we do communion together as a church. We do that on our team nights. That's why we um, stop and remember through our worship and through the different songs like, oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me on the cross. That's how we continue to cultivate that heart. We never forget where we came from. Lord, thank you so much for what you saved me from. Thank you for what you took me from and where you brought me to. We remember those things. And then we acknowledge and know that everything we have comes from the Lord. Those are the three ways that we can continue to cultivate that heart of gratitude, which leads to a lifestyle of generosity. When we go back to our first love, when we go back to that place, maybe you, it's hard to remember because life has happened and you're like, ooh, not feeling that first love anymore. But if you go back to that place where you first met Jesus and you first felt his redemptive love and grace in your life, that's when you immediately develop generosity and you remember that you were blessed to be a blessing. You remember that you want to share it with others. You want to give to others. You want to make a difference. It's no longer about what you get, but instead about what you can give. A follower of Jesus defines a life that is blessed, not by what you can see on the outside, but what has happened on your heart on the inside. Today, as we finish up here in just a minute, we look at Mark 10, 17 to 22. We'll read it together. And it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then... Come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So here we have this young man who is super wealthy and super rich. It tells us so in scripture. He had all the things. He had all the things that if we look back to the beginning of our time today, today together, where we talked about what the world defines as happiness, he had all of that. He says so, and yet here he was still feeling like he was missing something. He was still lacking. He was still trying to understand, Jesus, how do I have eternal life with you? What do I, must I do? He was still missing that fulfilling part of his heart that we talked about before that can only be filled by relationship with Jesus Christ. He wanted to know how to get to heaven. What do I have to do? And Jesus looked at him and loved him because his, he knew this guy was only trying to gain salvation by the things that he did. So then Jesus says something radical in Mark 10, 21. If you look back, he said, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
then come follow me. Sell all your possessions, give it away. And you're like, what, Stephanie, that's just a little bit crazy. And let me just comfort you now. He actually didn't need his money. He didn't need his money, he didn't want his money. Guys, all he really wanted was this man's heart. He wanted his heart. So then I asked the question then this morning, what is the result of going back to our first love and giving Jesus our whole hearts? Well, if we remember back, it stokes gratefulness within our hearts, which then leads to generosity, which leads to a changed heart, which finds us in a place where we are truly living the blessed life that God intended for us. Now maybe that beginning statement that I reminded us all of, it's more blessed to give than to receive, makes a little bit more sense, right? Because now we're not giving out of our own selfish and grieving hearts like we talked about. Now we're giving out of a place of sincere gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord, understanding that it's all his in the first place. And therefore we give generously. We give generously and our life is blessed because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. That's the place that we wanna get to as a believer in understanding what it truly means to be more blessed to give than to receive. And so as we go on our week this week, I wanna encourage you to go home this week and just Test your heart, stick a little dipstick into your heart and say like, Lord, is there some selfishness in my heart? Have I been giving out of the wrong motive? There's so many opportunities right now, especially during the holidays to give, right? Even just at my kid's school alone, I mean, I feel like they're asking every other day for us to give and they're all good things and they're wonderful. And yet, do we just give to those things or do we buy presents for our loved ones or do we do all these things that we should do just to like check a list and check a box off of our list? Or are we giving truly from a grateful heart for all that Christ has done for us? And, and I encourage you this week to take time to evaluate that. Is this Christmas season about gifts or about gratefulness? Is your current life about getting or giving? Is your focus on getting things or being generous? Because what would it look like if we truly evaluated those things in our life and we began to make those shifts and changes in our heart? Because the truth is that God wants to bless your life. He does, but first, he wants your heart. With every eye closed this morning, God truly does want to bless your heart, to bless your life, but first he desires to have your heart. So the question this morning is, does Jesus fully have your heart just today? Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus before. Maybe you've just heard of him for the first time, or maybe you've known him when you were young, but walked away. And today is the opportunity to come back to him. Today is the opportunity to truly belong to Jesus and to give your heart to him and truly feel what it means to be truly blessed. So with every eye closed here today, I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus, to begin a journey with him where you truly are surrendering all that you are to him and allowing him to work and provide and, and guide your life. And so if that's you this morning, every eye is closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you forward. I just want to just to make eye contact with you. And so if that's you this morning, if you can just raise your hand and just wave it at me really quickly so I can just see who we're praying for this morning. If that's you today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you want to start your journey with him, then just wave at me really quickly. Amen. Amen, church. As our eyes are continued to be closed, we're going to pray together as we journey with these people who are giving their lives to Jesus. And we're going to pray. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are faithful, that you desire to bless my life. And so, Lord, I give my heart to you today, Jesus. I want to begin a relationship with you. Would you lead me and guide guide me according to your word? Would you lead me and guide me according to your word? In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen, church. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.